Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby Keg Podcast episode. episode. Five thirty-eight. Charlie here with you, Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. We're talking Jeff Halfley, not Halfley, uh, the new uh, defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. We're instantly reacting to that. Uh, just our first thoughts on him being the new defensive coordinator uh, for the Packers. Kind of big picture stuff. What's next? What's to come? Uh, and getting into all that, we're going to talk about confidence in certain Bucks players. Do you want them traded? Do you want them? Or do you believe they can be part of the championship roster or somewhere in between? And then lastly, we'll get a first look at the Brewers. I mean, we're not totally done with free agency. There's still a lot of unsigned guys, but it's been a while since we checked in the Brewers. We didn't really get Mitch's thoughts on Reese Hoskins, so we'll we'll do that later. But before we get going, Mitchie, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing well. Excited to uh, uh, get this one rolling. I mean, it's uh, an exciting time. Um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't think middle of January, end of January, I guess. But uh, here we are. A lot of shit to talk about and a lot of stuff, you know, kind of coming through the pipeline. So, um, sure. yeah, just yeah, I mean, uh, staying busy for sure. And honestly, like we, you and I, we, we talk probably more pro sports. I do a lot of, you know, tr- college on, on the Tavern Keg daily. So when you, we do that, you expect that at some point it'll slow down. At some point you're going to have to think of, you know, kind of goofy topics, if you will, and get into silly season, but there's really no, there's really no stopping this train right now. Um, and at some point, you know, it might calm down. We didn't really, I don't think we talked too much about like the Packers directly. We talked about the Detroit Lions, but I don't know. Maybe we did talk about the Packers last week, but anyways, like we did the, the, uh, that's right. That's right. Like, so, so yeah, at some point Packers will probably calm down a little bit. um, And then it'll be a dead period until free agency starts. And then once free agency starts, that will be a whole other thing. Credit to us for not talking about the Aaron Rodgers story today. Um, that's, you know, that's good on us. Um, that's, that's, that's what you do. Yeah. That's why hey, that's, that's New York's problem now. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, those are for the jets, the independent jets podcasters and those guys can, uh, and gals can handle that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and yeah, we got blessed with the, the hat, uh, hat lead news. I'm going to struggle with that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the halfly news, uh, earlier, then later, um, so your boy doesn't have to do a solo pod tomorrow. Um, but Jordan Love probably signs an extension tomorrow, and then we'll be back at it tomorrow. Even though I was planning to take uh, take the Friday off for for once and once in my life uh, on the pod. So see what happens. But this was a complete surprise. I don't think anyone saw this coming. No one, no one thought that this would have been the Packers' decision. Um, they everyone sort of looked at. You know, maybe it's going to be Brandon Staley, Christian Parker. There were some unverified, uh, you know, reports that he was going to get the job over the weekend. Um, a lot of people liked what the Ravens guys brought to the table, whether it was Chris or Denard Wilson or some of the other other guys that were out there. Um, it seemed like that was sort of the choices that maybe the commoner wanted. And then the Packers go and get a a head coach of a, of a college football team and mm-hmm. Jeff Hatley goes to Boston college. Some brought up that kind of it's the reverse. Jeff Jagosinski, if you remember, was the offensive coordinator for a year under Mike McCarthy and then went and took the Boston college job. So it's kind of weird how those tables have flipped years later. Yeah. I mean, so Halfley was certainly not on my radar. Um, no, I'm, Admittedly, was not living and dying with every refreshing Twitter, every thirty seconds, you know, waiting for and losing sleep over the who the Packers' defensive coordinator was going to be. But, um, yeah, if, from what research I've done on the guy, it, it seems like it's a pretty solid hire. I mean, despite the fact, yeah, that it kind of came out of nowhere. If you look at the body, he's got pretty solid resume. He's worked his way up. It's it's a it's a it's a diverse background, I think. And um, he's got a track record of, of, of success, you know I mean? It's uh, so he's, so as he goes back to San Francisco, right. Mm-hmm. With 
was he DB's coach there? DB's coach, yeah. He was with Kyle Shanahan, was with right. Robert Sala. So that obviously, and he coached with Matt LaFleur's brother as well. So mm-hmm. all yeah. that. So he's you know, he's he, he's part of the good old boy network for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and and I know that's gonna be it's not I mean there will obviously be complaints out there that it's a oh, crony it, hire. It's already there. I mean, and I think transparently it's it's a bit pinheady to to believe that um about this one because Joe Barry was proven to be a bad defensive coordinator when this move mm-hmm. was made. Um, that was right. pretty. That was pretty established. Huge, huge difference point. here. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And I just, I think like you're kind of outing yourself if you don't, if if you're doing that and you're saying, oh, this is just another one of Lafleur's buddies. It's like, it's his friend, and Matt Lafleur has clearly, there's something that Matt has where he can't really work with outsiders, and that's probably an issue. But I'm not surprised by that. Are you? Like Matt's kind of a weirdo. Matt's a weird <laughs> dude, and that's I feel like that's what you're seeing with uh, with before well, wanting to hire his friends. It does seem that maybe the whole Shanahan kind of tree, you know, which is which is expansive. It it I don't know, like McVeigh, Shanahan, Lafleur, you know, all these guys, even Salah to some extent, like. They are kind of interesting cats, aren't they? Um, and I don't know, maybe. Oh yeah. May, it, I don't know if it's arrogant. Yeah, I mean, it's probably arrogance that you know these guys. They've kind of been filleted um, oh, yeah. the last several years, um, handful of years in the NFL, and um, you know, and not all of them have gotten to the mountaintop. I know McVay has, um, but you know, so. Yeah, so it, it's kind of kind of, you you could say it's a crony hire. You could, you know, but again, like you said, it it this is a guy that's I think a lot hungrier than I mean, not that I mean I would think Joe Barry probably was too at some point, but this guy is has 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 worked his way around and has seen a lot of different different things and has produced um, with with what he's had to work with. Um, I think that's the most impressive part to me. Is you know you go from San Francisco to the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, I believe, yeah, and kind of turn them around in one season, and took off to to Boston College, and had what a top thirty defense was it in yeah. in college football this year with with I mean, you know he made chicken chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? Right. I mean, it's, I- I mean, as someone who follows college football closely, um, Boston College was always a team that you knew would come to play, that they were always sort of bringing their lunch pail and that they gave a shit, that they weren't really a, a team that would quit. They might not, they might be undermanned, but they would fucking fight. And they would, you know, they kind of pulled games out of their ass. Now they would lose games because they were sort of undermanned. They'd have some, some dumb losses, you know, here and there. But, I really was impressed with what Hatley was, you know, Hatley was able to do. And I, I really think that, that, that speaks to kind of players wanting to rally around, you know, their coach. And it seems like he always wanted guys competing. He, the aggressiveness and play like you practice sort of mentality. He was, he's really big on tackling and press coverage and just mm-hmm. different things that, are, are a change from Joe Barry. And so I think that, again, if you want to go with the angle of a crony friend hire, if it was a guy that plays a ton of zone, if it was a guy that, if like Brandon Staley, I think would be more in that category. But honestly, like even Staley, Mitch, I was talking myself into, because I'm like, look, some guys are just not made to be head coaches and they're better coordinators. And that's why I kind of got to a Staley. So I, I had... I'm going to talk myself into Brandon Staley just in case I needed the spin zone. Cause I, I think, I think that would have got a lot more ire than, uh, than what they went with. Don't do you agree on that? Yeah. I mean, of course, if, if you're going to, you know, Brandon Staley had become um, a punchline in the NFL, the last, uh, by the end there. And, um, and that culminated in a, 
uh, an embarrassing loss where he was, everybody knew he was done. And, uh, that's never, never a good sign. Um, but he, uh, you know, I, I could probably get there with you if it came to Brandon Staley. I mean, you know, there's, you know, he's another guy that was, that was good in the, what was he one year as a defensive coordinator with the Rams? Right. And they were, and they were awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I think he had. I might have been two years the Rams, but still, regardless, he had a ton of talent there, and he he also wasn't trying to be the CEO. That was my point. Is like when you're the head coach, you're not only calling plays, but you're also kind of doing the CEO responsibilities. Like Lafleur kind of floating out the idea of, oh, I might give up play calling, and everybody on Patrick Twitter is like, no, absolutely not. Like, what are you like? What are you thinking? I I think a lot of that though is I think it's exhausting. And I think you're like, I'm sure at the end of the year, he's reassessing things and being like, wow, I could really save a ton of time if I didn't call plays. But then at the end of the day, he's too much of an egomaniac, not, not to want to call plays. And he's good at it too. So, and I'm not, that wasn't exactly a diss. It was more just personality type and being a head coach. So I, and I also think going kind of bringing it back to Halfley, I don't think he wanted to deal with the bullshit of college football anymore. He knew that Boston College was up against it. They don't support maybe the same way that other teams do. The ACC is a rung below, you know, the SEC and the Big Big Ten now uh, Mm -hmm. with with the exits. Florida State and Clemson could leave at any day. I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. Um, And you got to deal with a lot of bullshit when your guys get good. They're like, okay, now I'm going to go play for Georgia. I'm going to go play for USC. And it's like, fuck you. I'm out of here. And also the last part, and then I'll let you in here. No one gives a fuck about college football in the Northeast. And so to get people to care is, is really hard. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, it seems like he's probably just an NFL guy. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was probably the goal all along was to get, was to get back in to the league. And um, the BC head job was, was obviously a stepping stone as, as it, as it always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, started in the NFL again is, is in the Shanahan coaching tray, coaching tree. And, you know, he probably ultimately wanted to get back. I mean, shit, Jim Harbaugh came back right. to the NFL. I mean, it, well, it, you know, there was a rumor going around that was kind of laughed at by you know, like college football podcasters. But the rumor was that if Dan Quinn got a job that Chip Kelly was going to be his OC. And which I feels nuts, right? Because it's I think Chip Kelly is more nuts than than Halfley, honestly. But I, I like I think that there is real legs to these college coaches that are like, this is way too fucking hard. Like I just I want to recruit my guys. I want to make sure that they develop and they grow into you know great players, and I get them ready for the NFL, and I do all the right things, and. Not and I have to worry if they don't play freshman year, they're they're putting themselves in the portal and announcing it on X slash Twitter, you know, days after the season's over. Yeah, well, yeah, college football is kind of a mess, and it. <laughs> I, I mean, mean it yeah. takes it takes a special person to uh to want to put up with that. I mean, yeah, it's you know, I mean, even it's, even even Nick Saban had had enough. It's like the it's like the beautiful version of what's going on with like the PGA right now. Like the PGA is really ugly, really messy and gross. And while college football is all those things, it's still a lot of fucking fun. They still had a great year. They had a new national championship, new national champion. They had a a national championship game, with two teams that haven't been there before. Like it was all and the ratings were great. Like, so it's like, it's really hard to be like, Oh yeah, it's, it's all terrible. But then when you look at the, uh, the other part of it, People are still watching and people are still coming to the table. So even if we're yeah. like, yeah, it's a mess, no one's really saying like, yeah, I'm I'm done with I'm done with college football. No, I mean and they won't be. I mean it's no, you know, it's it's way too ingrained, I think, in, in definitely in the South and oh yeah. All that. So I mean it's you know that market's completely saturated. So I mean it's uh it's not going anywhere. But no, you know, no question just, about it. I guess if you look below the surface it's it's not uh, not not all uh, rainbows and unicorns. 
No, sir. And but going back to Hapley, what's interesting is during his time at Boston College, he ran a four-two-five. Um, and now, as pointed out by a lot of smarter people than me, not no one really runs base defense anymore. Like you just run basically what the offense is showing you, and that's kind of how you adapt. But I I think there is speculation that he'll run a four-three, which is really interesting, right? Because for, for a, like a myriad of reasons. Number one, it's like, all right, do we have the horses? I I think I think they do. Um, they've obviously built up that defensive line, you know, yeah. with the draft. And if they wanted to extend Kenny Clark and free up some money that way, and you know, is Rashawn Gary physical enough to play as a four three technique? I think that question would be out there. But it would also solve sort of your linebacker issue because, all right then you basically are like, we'll go yeah, that lessens the load on Devondre Campbell a little bit that heads. Wow. That was a crazy dunk. Um, and you know, then you have McDuffie in the middle and play Walker on the other one. I don't know. Is that, is that the route the Packers are going? That, that to me is the most interesting part of this whole thing is will they, will they change defense? And then what's, what is the consequence off of that basically? Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously that that's now becomes probably the biggest question of the offseason. Oh, yeah. What is what they do personnel wise on, on the defensive side of the ball? And if 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 indeed that's that's what's going to be, um, you know, going to be happening with the front four, um, because yeah, you probably have to. I don't know. I feel like they probably could because Rashawn Gary's not like a twig. You know, um, you know, they don't, they don't have like a small three, four edge. You know what I mean? They don't really, that they, I don't can have like Hassan, I mean, they, they don't have Hassan Reddick or they don't yeah, have, who's um, like a safety. Right. They don't have even like Micah Parsons. I feel like, oh no, they run a four, three. So I'll take that back. Um, who's the other, there's another guy I'm thinking of. I can't think of it, but yeah, you're right. There's no. There's no small, there's no small edges on on what what the Bucks or uh, the Packers have, excuse me, and and also the guys who drafted aren't aren't small either. You know, your Lucas Van Ness, uh, you know, he's gonna be hurt for half the year, but Ingen Barre is not small either. So, yeah, I think you could do it. It's just, yeah, what are the consequences? Or and also too, like, you know, a guy like Jeff Okuda, I think he got hurt this year, but like Jeff Okuda, like credits. Halfly for being the reason he got drafted like top five and now Jeff Okuda has not been a good pro but like I don't know if he didn't get hurt last year which I'm checking here right now like why not why not take a chance oh he, he yeah I think he's back he's had some injuries I don't know why not you know bring him bring him in cheap guy that you could probably get take a chance on talent I'm all I'm all for that oh actually he signed up let's see what's his contract here I'm all over the place can we sign Jeff Okuda? Let's see here. I was gonna say like corner is probably one of the last pressing needs. Is it? Isn't it? I don't know, man. Uh, they they have a uh, fifth year option available for Okuda. They're not picking up, so he'll be a free agent. Um, so maybe. Um, no, I don't. I I think corner is like one of the. I maybe not corner itself. I mean, I think Eric Stokes is washed. I think you're gonna have to replace Eric Stokes in some capacity. Yeah, washed um, after three years. He's. I just. I don't know if he's gonna get his speed back. Maybe he will be next well, year. Yeah, he's, he's had a ton of injuries. I mean, right. It's it's that's the wash part of it. It's not necessarily him the his age, but yeah. I know. I think corner is a big time priority. Um, in terms of draft and everything else, if you're, you know, you're kind of looking at it. I I think that you also have to ask yourself like how much can you trust Jair? And you, you kind of in a weird way. Is our Valentine and Valentine enough to replace Rasul Douglas's production? What's weird is Rasul Douglas is probably going to get cut by Buffalo because Buffalo has some cap issues. And do you do you bring back Rasul? Um, would that would that be okay? Would that be something that you know Halfley would look at and be like, yeah, I'd, I'd love Rasul Douglas. Like that'd be great to have him. I what I'm doing defensively, I don't know. We'll certainly have to see. Be that'd be some some that'd be an interesting interesting little plot twist. For sure. So, any other any other uh, halfway thoughts before we roll? No, I mean, no. I just just curious, yeah, what what they do with the roster and 
and how much how much that changes if they can if they can find um i guess success with maybe some of the guys they currently have or you know like darnell savage or something um yeah but well yeah my my last two things are one we have one of the more handsome like coordinator combinations with LaFleur and him so that's got that going for us um and then also uh we have i the only my only like little back of the head worry is todd munkin came from college uh from georgia was awesome the entire year like revived lamar's career lamar gonna win the mvp and then when the got to the biggest game he absolutely shit his diapers so i just hope that that doesn't happen again with 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 this it could be completely different. Um, it could be a total fallacy, but just uh, just food for thought. Um, yeah. Let's move to the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks are currently playing the Portland Trailblazers. We kind of wanted to do this <laughs> originally. A uh, little how the sauce was made. We we're going to kind of talk about the Bucks, maybe chime in on some observations from Dame's uh, return to Portland. Uh, it's 31-28 as we tape. Um, if you do not hear a five-minute intro beforehand, that means the Bucks won. If you do hear me um, with the five-minute intro and we're already here, you know that Bucks have lost. So that's that's basically your warning call um, there. And I won't spend too much time, you know, recapping it, but it's uh, it's been an interesting, you know, basically week now. Uh, post Adrian Griffin, uh, the Bucks are two and two um, in that stretch, but it's been a tough stretch. But I think all these stretches are going to be tough, Mitch. And, uh, you know, I guess before we get into our segment, you know, any, any thoughts, any sort of initial Doc Rivers takes about, you know, tonight, night before, or, uh, or you know, anything else? Yeah. I mean, the only, the only full sample size, I guess I have was the Denver game. Um, and that, you know, it's way too early. I don't, I don't think anything has really, has really changed. Um, schematically well i mean obviously when they fired griffin i guess it's obvious that overall they've been not as aggressive defensively and that seems to be i mean they've stabilized a little bit defensively i mean the national media won't won't say that but um right you know that requires watching games so oh yeah um exactly watch ball bro and and i'm not saying they're fabulous defensively i mean they're kind of getting cooked in the first quarter against portland so um well well, but it's I'm our, try not to get too upset here. Our uh, uh, our lovely bench unit just doing doing bench unit things. It's you know? fucking so bad, man. Um, oh, it, it's just it's not it's not gotten better. Um, and it's just like you know, black hole Bobby. Um, just doing his thing, and yeah, it's we're getting cooked by the ghost of Bo Outlaw. Um, in you know on Portland, so. Which I respect that look, the bald head with the with the headband. You just don't see that um, often. So uh, I think his name's Heath. Um, not not really up on my Blazers uh, Blazers backup bigs, but I have I have seen that guy uh, in some highlights in before you know before on social media and stuff. So you know I guess he uh, I don't want to say he's good, but you know. Make stuff happen out there, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. that's. I mean, but, that's. Yeah, that's. That's. But what you can say. But yeah, it's. It. It is nice. I mean, some of the guys who are more of the film dudes have said they've noticed more. You know, Davey Eggers calling a bunch of different plays, and they're doing a little more in terms of a set. I think it'll all come together probably post All Star break. I think right now, and I know a lot of people are going to be frustrated at the in speaking about the bench the amount of minutes that the veterans are going to get. I think what you have to understand is it's a showcase for the trade deadline. And maybe that means they're not going to trade Bochamp, which I would have thought that Bochamp would be on the, would have to be on the table for some of these deals to happen, but who knows Um, with the new CBA, I have a sneaking suspicion that these trades are going to be way less than what we think they are going to be. Maybe that's my naivety, naivety, um nativity uh whatever uh i i but i just think that they they teams haven't exactly figured out the new cba that's a dumb shot was that scoot that hit that or or simons that was very dumb when i was that's a that's that's what do you mean the the three that he made yeah 
there was also one second left on the clock. No, no, I'm just saying, um, like, that hate that went in. I mean, 37 points yeah. to Portland, though. That's a Adrian well, Griffin tribute. Yeah, I mean, that. of course that shot's going in. Um, right. Guys, I made a shot all year. Right. Uh, 23% from the field. What is it? I uh I don't know if he's that bad from three. I've just I'm throwing stats. Twenty three from three, I I'd believe yeah. that, yeah. Um, but that hasn't stopped anybody. Um so yeah, I mean I curious to see what the Bucks do with the coaching staff. Um as far as um does Prunty stick around? How long how long does he last? You know, I guess the Bucks had like a smaller coaching staff to begin with. And then probably once Terry, 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 Terry Stotts, once he left, um, they must have, I think they only had like six or seven coaches, which mm-hmm. as you know, NBA staffs these days are like 15 deep. So um, we'll see how many, if not all those guys, end up still got, all the guys that were left, they end up sticking around um, right. under Doc Rivers. But yeah, I mean, it, it'll be, that's a good point about the, the showcasing and, Stuff you know, you haven't really seen any Andre Jackson, which you know, I continue to to not understand. Um, and you know, Doc has has been known to to not develop players or or be just as afraid to play young players as any other coach. So um, I hope that I hope that doesn't uh, affect uh, the development of Andre Jackson. But like Marjan. I think he's as good as gone, you know, unfortunately. I just – but you would like to see him get a little bit of clock maybe to see if you can you can uh, showcase him a little bit. I, I think I think that's why campaign has probably been playing a little bit more. I think that it's, it's one of those where um, he's probably going to be in a deal, I would think, with a crappier team, I guess. And where where you just kind of plug them in and um, do like a second round pick or something for some kind of backup guy because the bench just needs to be needs to be improved in general. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta fix that bench. I'm sure this road trip really is for Doc to kind of look at everything and then go back to John Horst and be like, these are guys I want. These are guys I don't. And it kind of rolls into our segment about, you know, who who do you have the most, you know, confidence meter of one to five, five being, you know, a, you know, that guy can win us a championship. That guy can be on a championship roster and one being get the fuck out of here. We don't want to, we don't want you. Um, and if you're on the team, it's kind of brace for brace for deal life. Um I think in terms of we all know with Giannis, it's it's a I mean we're you're a five, I'm a five. I guess the what would make Giannis like a five plus? Is there anything that you see that if Giannis did a little bit more of this or a little bit less of that, like that, where it's like wow, Giannis could take his game, you know, to a another level if that's even possible. Um. I mean, he's, he's playing really well right now. He is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard question. I'm mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, it's he might be playing the best basketball that he's played of his career, and part of it is because Dame Lillard opens so much up for him, and he's able to he doesn't have to initiate as much offense as he used to. And and when we all would hate sort of those bud those bud lineups where he would he would be the one that was initiated and just drive his head down and it, it wouldn't exactly work. Um, so maybe that that's partly to do with, you know, the season that, he, that he's having so far this year. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's little things that I can nitpick, you know, I mean, that would you'd probably surprise you. Um, yeah. man, they just, wow. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, he could probably be a little bit better of a passer uh make but make better decisions at times don't take 15 seconds to shoot a free throw every time um be a better screener oh absolutely that's a huge one right i guess that 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 would be you know that'd be i mean if you could if you could become a reliable screener that'd be fabulous um yeah and and be more comfortable on the role my uh 
so I'll, uh, you know, as you know, that's a great pass by honest Bobby. Um, I, as you know, I like to always cook up my theories. I realized I had this, like, I forget. I was talking to somebody I was, and someone who kind of doesn't know my podcast and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, I just give a lot of theories out there. And I was like, man, eh, that's kind of really the theme of the podcast. It's just me theorizing a bunch of shit. Um, but you know, I, I do wonder is Giannis knowing how to, the screens, he doesn't want to take, you know, all the body blows of screens. And he's like, all right, once the playoffs start, I will, I'll start screening better. And, and maybe that's again, me being head buried in the sand chuck. But I just wonder, is that maybe part of it where he doesn't want the extra bumps and bruises right now? Once nut crunch time comes in, he's like, all right, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to be putting a shoulder into, into pretty much every perimeter guard. That could be fair, I suppose. Um, I just wonder why is it 0% of the time? No, right I, I, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense if it was, it would make a lot more sense if it was like you, you every now and again, there was a hard screen by Giannis, but you know, five or six of them aren't, aren't hard screens at all. But yeah, that's, that's a fair point. It's a, yeah, definitely just, a fair challenge. Where are you at with uh, Dame Luck? Where are you in terms of your confidence in Dame right now? Where where do you set? Um, I'd probably say a four. Um, three might be a little too harsh, but uh, it's definitely not. I don't think it's a five. No, I would there, agree. There, it, it's 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 a little it's a little too inconsistent for me. Um, yeah. In fact. I'm getting tired of like the, the three for 15s and shit like that. Um, it's maybe not been that bad, but like just he's, he hasn't been very aggressive lately. I don't know if, if it's just, um, you know, still, you know, not now you've thrown a new coach in the whole equation and, and everything like that. So, you know, maybe that's part of it, but just the usage and stuff is, is not ideal. Um, and I guess you do worry with somebody who kind of takes low percentage shots in general. Um, you know how, I mean, Steph Curry has clunkers every now and then. I mean, the difference right. is that the reason Steph's probably a notch higher than Dame is that those clunkers aren't as frequent. And now that I've right. watched a ton of Damian Lillard, it's, you know, of, of this year. I and mean, they're not as, it's... and they're not as loud in a weird way. Like they're just not as, as loud. And when, and also like, it seems like we all have watched stuff on ABC or TNT and it's usually always a show and it's usually always like, and I know that that makes us a little more jaded, but yeah, it's a great point um, about that. Cause I, I do think the people who put them at a three are, you know, who are sick of that and believe that that's just kind of who he is in a Bucks uniform. And I, I don't agree with that. I think I'm more aligned with you that it's, it's just shooters have bad nights and we're also spoiled by Giannis's consistency. You, we see Giannis every fucking night. And even when he's bad, he's good. And we, you don't get that with jump shooters. That just doesn't happen. And if anyone would rather have Drew Holiday on this team, enjoy being probably seven less wins, 10 less wins. Um, right now and being, you know, hovering around the five to six seed versus, you know, being at the two seed. Yeah. Right. And yes, the defense would be better, but you know, I think, I think we saw how, how that movie ended with, with right. I mean, last year it's, it's, you know, he hasn't been great with Boston offensively and, no. you know, again, a lot of that is role and not being asked to do much. And so the numbers are, are pretty weak, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, the, the, the Bucks chose to go in a different direction. And I think that they had to do something with the way it ended. And, and I think we should be kind of grateful that, you know, they, they are aggressive enough to, and, and doing right. what it takes to, to, to change things up because to lose as, as in the first round as a one seed is pretty unacceptable. Yeah, Absolutely. I think I'm still a four with Chris Middleton. I think my Middleton concerns are, I mean, the, the, well, I'll be glass half full first. I mean, I just like the mid range. I like the ability to close. I like the ability to when Dame's having one of those three for 15 nights, you know, 
really go to work. Um, and but the dislikes are, you know, the and where the four comes in is the turnovers, the poor dribbling, and just like sometimes the lacks lackadaisical, where it's like, what the fuck are you thinking, Chris? Um, sort of attitude that I I see, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put him at a three. Uh, would you? Chris at a three. Um, no, I, I mean, he's probably still a four. I think he's, he's, you're going to get the frustrating stuff. Uh, you know, it's been 10 years now. I kind of know what it yeah, is, exactly. but um, I think he looks pretty good right now. Uh, health wise, which I think is, you know, half the battle for him. Right. Um, you know, I think he looks, looks pretty normal um, for what, you know, he's not, he's probably not the player that he was three, four years ago um, athletically after a couple of injuries and, and, and stuff like that. But I think for kind of what he is now, I think he looks about as good as, and I think he compliments Giannis and Dame very well. Oh, yeah. I think that's important. And like you said, can be, can, can take a little pressure off those guys, but I just don't need him to be, asked to be the lead ball handler or, the, yeah. or to have the offense go through him. Yeah, um, absolutely. In a playoff uh, game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I feel like we haven't really seen those Chris led offenses under doc here or even Bronte um, in the last, you know, four games. It's like, those are a thing of the past. Like those, those drove me nuts, especially at the start of fourth quarters and things like that. It's like, what the fuck are we, we thinking here? Like why, why are we trying to actively give up points with, you know, Chris being the lead ball handler and sort of the initiator of offense? He's he's much better as a Robin. He knows his place. He's fine with it. He's been very successful as a Robin. There's nothing wrong with it. Just let him be Robin. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, you know, Brooke Lopez, uh, where you're Brooks, your guy, I'll, I'll give you the floor on Brooke. Where, where do you put Brooke? Brooks probably still a four, and I think the theme. I, I think thought the, you might. I thought you might go five there. I I would almost go five with Brooks. Well, go on, continue. I think everyone who's a four and above is what I would call a core a core okay. piece. Core piece. So, okay. So Brooks still a core piece. He still gets a four. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. Like, he was asked to. He was obviously being asked to do things he's not comfortable with. Yeah. Start didn't the year, like there was the. Uh, there was the uh, semi-viral video, at least in Bucks Twitter, from uh, B-Ball Breakdown. Right. Uh, Coach Nick, or whatever the fuck his name is, um, who, you know, pointed out early in the season how Pissbrook was getting and and directing his anger at the bench for being asked to guard the three-point line and instead of just, you know, being in, in his more natural drop coverage. And, you know, he was – I think that kind of – you know, I think if anybody hated Adrian Griffin, it probably was Brooke, as much as oh, yeah. he's probably not not going to be outspoken about it. Well, um, I mean, remember, like, there was, uh, I think it was the Indiana game uh, on the road, the second one that, that they lost. And I said to you, I'm like, I'm done with Brooke. Well, like, Brooke Lopez was not boxing out. He was not rebounding. Like, he looked like he could give less of a shit. And I think it was pretty obvious that he was, that he had tuned out Adrian Griffin. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I don't know. Rebounding is a lot, some effort, but also a lot of luck. And I don't know, man. That one, that that one was bad. That one was that was it. That watch that one back, and you're just there's there are so many Brooklyn. I I know it's one game, but it's just like and guys are allowed to have bad games. But it was I. That was when I was kind of starting to lose a little bit of my faith in Brooke. I was like, fuck it, Brooke, put him on the trade block too. And then I've sort of, I've gotten back to Brooke. The thing is people have been complaining since day one, since his arrival about his rebounding numbers. I mean, he's just not, he's not going to grab rebounds. He's, he's more of a move people out of the way. Well, but he wasn't moving people out of the way. I think that's the point maybe we're missing here is like, he was just letting guys get offensive rebounds. And it was just like, what, what are we doing? That yeah. did not look like I was supposed to be. And then you have Brooke and Bobby. All right, let's talk about guys who aren't aren't on the championship. I'll see if I can guess the guys that you don't feel like are part of that championship core. 
Bobby Portis is definitely there. Shocking, but but true. I'm glad you're you finally saw it my way, Mitch. Um, it, we took a year. I know I I went off that take. I should never should never left that island. I should have just stayed there. I would have had a fully developed community. They have people coming in by the dozens. Um, and but I left, and I was told I was wrong. Well, I was a madman, and. And then, so I would. Can I confirm that Bobby is 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 in the uh, get out get out of here? You're not you're not part of the uh, the Bucks championship core. Yeah, he's probably a one. I mean, it's maybe maybe I'll be generous and give him a two just for just for uh, you know uh, gentleman's sake and and also kind of what he's done in the past. But uh, you know, it's obvious that something has he's just not what he was i don't know he you know it's it's possible that the shooting was kind of he, that he was over his head shooting a little bit for a couple seasons and but it just seems like not only that now but it's also he's not passing the ball it's, it's at the point where it's a miracle if he um if he passes at all right um, you know certainly when he gets it on the block forget it you know and uh you know, people forget that Bobby didn't really play a ton in in the uh, championship run. No, there may have been a, there may have been a reason for that. Right, I think PJ Tucker was might have been a big reason for that, and and just not really as many minutes as as he's had. You know, the last two seasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was unplayable in the Brooklyn series back then, and you know that's that's more than enough indication that I think that. It's tough, tough to call him a uh, championship rotation player. I mean, it's just, yeah. and then and then couple that with what we've seen this year, uh, and it just defensively, like, oh my god. And, oh yeah, I mean, the Bucks. If, if, if Bucks if we have so we, many leads. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Right. We have we lose a ton of leads because we have no other backup big. When he comes in, he's getting fucking cooked by pretty much anybody because he's not really a center, and he's 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 too small to be a center, and he's he's a tweener defensively. That's just in a bad way where he's not quick enough to guard any type of power forward or any type of four in, in today's NBA, not, not big enough to hang with Nikola Jokic as you right. saw oh, yeah, uh, he ate on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's terrible. Um, and then also too, in that same sort of category is uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, AJ Dillon, Pat Connaughton, uh, some, you know, some say mayor of Milwaukee, another guy who just it's it's kind of over like it's just he he doesn't exactly have it you know in his legs and he's just he's not he was never really a great defender but he always sort of you know found the found the basketball you know got in you know rebounding put bodies on dudes and it's just not it's not happening anymore for him and it's i i could make a case that pat could be a fine you know, ninth guy need a little energy, need a spark, and that's kind of what he is after some deals. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not exactly convinced that Pat, you know, needs to be needs to be a part of this Bucks team. You know, after next week. Yeah, well, like Bobby, I mean, the the best thing about those guys is their their contracts are movable, and they're probably right. You know. Um, they're really the only kind of medium contracts that the Bucks have. So, um, you know, that alone kind of puts those guys somewhat on the chopping block, I would think. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. I, the last one, and the, I want the shooting to... has been bad for Pat too. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's it. I mean, if Pat was, if Pat was 40% from three this year, I think people are, people would, wouldn't care that his defense looks a little, little haggard and would say, all right, well, He's knocking down his shots, but you know Connie's corner is not what it used to be. No, it used to be that's going in, right? And there used to be the random Pat Connaughton twelve point games, or even you know as high as fifteen or sixteen game, and that just doesn't happen anymore. And so I think when that's not happening, that's concerning, and that's what tells you you know he might be at the end of his rope. But I, you know, he works. 
really seems like he works in tandem with the organization on some of the things he does. So maybe it'd be an awkward thing and maybe they find a way to keep him. But, and I, I don't want him to get, you know, more than 15 minutes in a playoff game. That would be, that'd be a major problem. He's actually shooting 2% better than his career average this year, oh, shit. but the, but the volume is down. Uh, yeah. He was over five, almost, he was based almost six threes a game two years ago. He was five point three last year attempts per game. Now he's only three three attempts per game, so he's yeah. he's up a little, but his makes are right are down. Right overall. for sure. All right, last guy I have on this is Malik Beasley because I feel like he is a, a bit of a a divisive uh character. Um, where where you said with Beasley, yeah. he's just a streaky shooter, right? Like he's right. just oh yeah, he's totally. just uh, you know, there was a two week stretch prior to this probably current two week stretch where he couldn't miss. And now, now he seems to be struggling again. Um, It's almost like the, it's, it's almost like the, sorry, I know I asked you and then I'm coming back in, but it's almost like the all-star game trying to get him into the three point contest, like fucked with his head a little bit where he's like putting pressure on himself because he's not the prototypical guy that gets into the three point contest, which is weird in its own right. But like, I don't know if that's what it is or if it's something else um, or to your point, just a streaky shooter and just like that guy who can go on home run barrages and then strike out for two weeks. Yeah. I'm looking at his. Yeah. He had a couple, couple monster games in December shooting seven of 11 against the bulls. That one game. Oh yeah. That was, that was shit. That was six weeks ago. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the defense is an issue with him. Um, and, you know, Adrian Griffin kind of wanted him to be the uh, the stopper uh, defensively, which is pretty laughable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we slash I spun that a little, and I had kind of told myself that, well, maybe if, if you tell him that you need him to be our guy defensively, maybe he can unlock something and, I don't. That's just that's just an issue. I mean, point of attack defense is is uh, is a, a problem with the Bucks right now. And uh, you know, it's you know, I'm not going to blame it all on Malik Beasley, but there's you know, given the fact that he was um, you know kind of expected to do some stuff defensively, that was probably a mistake. And I think if if you could, ideally, I think you'd like to move him to the bench. But he's probably the you know really the only option as a fifth starter at this point, you know, Jay Crowder probably isn't there yet. Um, right. Um, and maybe never will be, you know, he's not, he's not Crowder. I don't know if, is he completely free of blame from the, the terrible bench? No, you, you can't, you mean the allegation, you know, the allegations will have to start on Jay Crowder um, as he gets further removed from the injury. Right. Um, yeah. And that'll, that'll start becoming a discussion. Um I, I think one thing to note on Beasley, I do wonder if what the Bucks are doing in terms of the trade deadline, if they're trying to get somebody to be a starter with the thought that Malik Beasley will go to the bench and that will solve the bench issues, which I don't know if it will, because I feel like it's a little bit of the Bobby Portis scenario just at the perimeter where it's a guy who wants to get his and is going to say to himself when he's on the floor, it's Malik Beasley time. And that, that worries me um, a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. the best course, course of action, but we'll, we'll certainly see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, there, there, you know, there's a possibility of that, but I, I guess when they had originally signed Beasley, that's what I thought would kind of be the case. You know, I thought he would, I thought he would come off the bench and kind of be that microwave type scorer. Um, but I don't know. He's probably more of a catch and shoot guy than, than you'd like for, for that situation. But right. um, that's what, that's would be what would scare me about putting him to the bench is that he seems to work really well, certainly offensively with the starting five, mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah, not really the, shy. The and... offensive. Yeah. The offensive rating is off the charts with, you know, those four or five guys on the court. So yeah, then that's, Another point about why you know you don't keep it together. Oh, you gotta love. Sorry, I, I'm gonna. Can I can I change topics? It's Bucks related, but it's it's different. 
Um, I just caught it out of the corner of my eye. I love that that cocksucker Evan Turner is in the front row, sitting courtside tonight in street clothes. (laughs) Um, Looks good. Um, That Hayden ass dude. I I mean, if you – you see him right there. Um, he's in a uh, well. Yeah. We're not. We're watching this. Uh, you know, without a a video component. But yeah, I Evan Turner, one of the all time Giannis haters, being at the game, just probably talking. Um, street clothes Turner. Um, he's not out there. Wishes he probably was. Giannis gave him forty seven back in the day. So he, people forget. Yeah. Well, also, also enjoyed Malcolm Brogdon flaming the Celtics. You know, I. One of my greatest predict, one of my greatest takes that I've had in my life is that I I knew Malcolm Brogdon wasn't a good guy, and that has proven out to be true, um, time over again. Yeah, yeah, I just I love that Portland's eight for fourteen from three. I mean, yeah, we yeah, this is gonna go down to the wire. This is, I mean, we're basically back. We're back to from last week. Like the the ghost of Adrian Griffin is living inside us. I also think Portland's playing very spirited. I think they want to beat Dame, even though, you know, Dame did everything right. I think they are kind of being like, fuck you, dude. Like we could have done, we could have done great things with you. And we just want to, we kind of want to prove you wrong. And, you know, Chauncey Billups, not necessarily, I would say top tier NBA coach, but I can imagine Chauncey's a motivator um, and a guy who was kind of left, I want to say left for dead, a little bit left for dead before, you know, locking on with the Detroit Pistons. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. So we'll see. Um, Hopefully yeah. some adjustments and uh, a better second half. Yep. Moving on to wrap up today's show with the Brewers. Um, we're, what, six weeks away from opening day. Um, pitchers and catchers going to report pretty soon here. Um, it's such a weird offseason because – so many free agents are still unsigned. Um, personally, I feel Six like weeks that... from opening. You mean like more like two months from opening? Oh, two weeks, two months. Sorry, two months. Appreciate the fact check. Uh, but it's uh, it, the Brewers lineup starting to take some shape, and felt like you know we get a look. We we didn't necessarily hear from you last week on uh, on the Reese Hoskins deal, and any any thoughts on that? Um, and you know, I made some comments about the culture here in Milwaukee and everything else, anything that stood out to you about, you know, that Reese Hoskins deal. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy they did it. It's, it's been a long time coming that they, you know, kind of reinvest in the uh, lineup, if you will. Um, The pitching has been kind of the calling card, I guess the last couple of years. And, um, you know, really since, Grandal and Mustakis walked out the door. There hasn't been, I mean, a ton of offensive investment. Right. Um, it does. It does concern me that you know he's coming off an injury a little bit, and and yeah. there's a high probability that this is kind of a, uh, you know, it's it's more or less a one year deal. So uh, yeah, it, you know, we'll see what uh, if the end they end up doing the doing the second year or not um chances are things probably didn't go well um if, so if there yeah the second year happens it probably means that Reese Hoskins can't cash out but i mean if it's still screwy with figuring out tv rights and and money and everything else maybe that that second year does happen i don't know um yeah. but it's well, a guy it, that that as long as he stays healthy he matches and he's playing in a ballpark in American family field, that's going to allow you to hit a lot of dingers. And you just haven't had that type of power in the lineup in a long time. To your point. Yeah. It's just, well, been... he, he, I think he fits, fits in well, you know, he slots right in nicely at that lineup, I think. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're probably looking at Yelich as a leadoff hitter. Yep. Um, uh, Contreras, Wild Bill, Wild Bill second, Contreras second. Yep. Uh, who is hitting third? By I have by lost. I have lost the resource up here. I can while we're talking, I can share the screen and see what they've they've projected. Uh, shit, Sal Freelich as the uh as the third third option here, which is interesting. So, I would prefer Sal Freelich as a leadoff hitter, but 
yeah, I, I probably, I, I probably would too. I think I actually think Yelich would hit. I think Yelich would be awesome in the in that three hole, in between Contreras and Hoskins. I think you know right. I, he would get a ton of pitches, and they would basically you would force teams to have to pitch to Christian Yelich. I also wonder would Garrett Mitchell be a better, better leadoff or better leadoff hitter as well. I think Garrett Mitchell would have a case too. I, I am not selling my Garrett Mitchell stock. I'm a little worried about the the labrum injury. I actually weirdly, and maybe more worried about his injury than I am Hoskins injury because it's a arm injury. Um, but yeah, I, I still, I mean, the speed will still be there for, for Garrett Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then, and look at you, you pulled this up for me. I appreciate yeah, that. Of course. Uh, Willie Adamas fifth. I'm neutral at best and Willie Adamas at this point. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Pat Murphy and Willie Adamas can like, will Willie's antics really fly with Pat Murphy? I don't, I don't know. And will that cause friction? You know who would look good fifth in that lineup would be Matt, Matt Chapman. Chapman. Yeah. Our guy, our guy, Matt Chapman. That's really how he should be described. If the Brewers, Get Matt Chapman, Andres Hoskins over the Cubs. I mean, that is as much of a Stone Cold Stunner to Craig Council as you'll really ever see in your life. Yeah, so you're you're on that you're in that team. Uh, stick it to Council. No, I'm not as bad as like Brett, who's a big Bart Winkler guy. Like Brett's, I, I worry that that Brett's gonna you know try to put out a hit on Council um, at Miller Park this year. I hope not. Um, but like. I'm not at that level. Uh, it's more just funny um, in terms of like, and I, I also, I don't think the Brewers are, are doing this or spending money just to spike council. I think they have their TV thing sort of figured out with the whole Amazon stuff. So they know kind of what money's coming in and what money's coming out. And so that's, I think, giving them a little bit of a leg up on things, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be stunning if, the Cubs don't in fact, you know, make a move to get Chapman. I, I feel like they got to do something to appease that fan base. And, and even, I don't know if just bringing Bellinger back on a one-year deal is going to be enough to kind of satiate that fan base after, after they got counsel. Yeah. Who's their third baseman? Is it Morrell? I think so. But, and Morrell, Morrell plays all over the place. I mean, he can play. Yeah. As a Christopher Morrell fantasy owner, um, he can play a lot of places. Um, yeah. but I I roster resource has which is a great site, by the way. It's it's a fan graphs, they got bought out by fan graphs, so it's technically fan graphs, but it's really good to kind of just get that initial read. Dave Jackson Trio hitting seventh. I think that that's probably where Trio will start. I I'd be surprised if it's anything higher than six, right? Um, just given his like you know, it's, it's, he's an 18 year old. He might start out hot like that. That I would not be surprised at all. If he starts out red hot and then he goes into like a massive slump once people kind of figure out, Oh, this is how we got pitching. It's what we have to do differently. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, it'll be fascinating to see like, you know, will, will it, will it immediately click right away or is it, is it going to take some time? And odds are it's, you know, the latter and it's going to take, take a little while before we, we really see Jackson Trio hitting in the middle of the order. Yeah, or he would look nice at leadoff. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's not disciplined enough at leadoff. Eh, discipline's not terrible. I think five. Honestly, like that to me, or the three, and that, and then you have Freelich hitting fifth, is and not bad. Then you add a ton of speed on the bottom of that order, um, and. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, if they do something at that third base position, does Tyler Black, you know, pull push for that sort of spot? Um, Joey Weimer apparently fixed his swing. I always get nervous when we're talking about fixing swings because of casting Hira. Um, now going to Korea. I don't know if you saw that. That dude's gonna rake in Korea. He's gonna have a great career in Korea. I will lock that really? in. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's going to be great. I mean, Korea is basically like quad A baseball. So he's great in triple A. Uh, I can't imagine he wouldn't be good in quad A. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be he maybe maybe the MVP of that league, the KBO. I, right. I do wonder, will they 
what the starting pitching is another thing. I mean, with Chapman and, and yeah, it would be great to get Chapman. It also would probably be great to get a, a fourth starter, someone on the cheap. Cause right now your rotation is Burns, Peralta, Wade Miley, Colin Ray, oh, Joe my. Ross from the dead. Um, and then I, I know Aaron Ashby there. I, Matt Arnold has said a couple times uh, this yeah. offseason that they're projecting him as a starter, but that, that makes I mean, sense, that's a so. lot to ask. Really? No, I just I don't know. I mean, he's coming off a huge injury. I don't know. I I just I'm just I'm wondering is it like is it sustainable? Is it gonna is it gonna work? I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's like his natural kind of yeah. You know, he came up as a starter, and um, you know, maybe that's that's good for him. I mean, you know, are you gonna get 300 innings out of him? No, probably not. No, uh, nobody does anymore. 200 right. is, is is like the new 300. Right. Um. So, we'll see. But I mean, with the with the way that rotation looks now, I mean, he's gonna have to be the a starter. Yeah, he'll have to be a no starter. Fucking way. If, if if Colin right. Ray and Joe Ross are four and five on on opening day, I won't watch a game. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm well, that bad. Well, right, and especially when you have like Robert Gasser, who looked I. I think he's going to get every chance to try to win one of those starting spots. Um, and we'll see. I think Mizorowski is probably a half, half a year away. I think Carlos F. Rodriguez um, is probably also a, maybe a year away, maybe year, a half a year away, really talented kid pitched for WBC and Nick, uh, for Nicaragua. Um, at, like, they have they they're coming with the pitching resources. It's just a question of when, and if it's like, all right, we want to see Gasser a little bit in AAA. We're we're basically gonna say we've gotta be five hundred by April. Let's try to survive in advance in those Ross Ross and Ray starts, and we'll we'll wait for the young guys to be up, you know, in a month or month plus. Maybe that's the thought process, but yeah, it, it has to be Ashby to. Uh, Colin Ray is a fifth starter. Fine, I can go through it. It's I I really don't like co- watching Colin Ray pitch. Um, just not an enjoyable experience because I expect a ball to explode at really any moment, and he, so and somehow he, he gets away with it sometimes. Yeah, I was saying. Then next thing you know, he, he's through six innings. Right, and... and then and then you're laughing with your dad like fucking Colin Ray. Like, yeah, you know, but then like... but then there's every you know. Every couple starts, it's you know. Oh, it's Ali De La Cruz. Like I, I, I still can't believe that Ali De La Cruz home run on on Colin Ray. That one, that's an all timer. That's just I, I just remember just being like so amazed and enamored by the that inside one. the park home run. No, 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 not that one. The uh, it's like a Monday game, and he just absolutely pulverized the baseball beyond the Toyota Tundra. Toyota like territory and i think it went into the like out of the stadium wow so I don't really remember that like oh, that wasn't fine. an inside the uh, park home run either that was he, he stole no oh, yeah, that's I mean, that was that, that, that was a dark day i mean that was that was a tough day for the brewers um yeah you know but you know that was my birthday he was yeah dark day for other things too that day uh just we just will just leave it there but uh no, it was uh that was a good time. We'll uh certainly try to try to hook that up again this year. Um, all right. I think I'm tapped out Brewers wise, Mitch. I don't know if you have anything else or anything else you, you wanted to talk about. Hopefully Bucks have a better second half here. Maybe maybe we jinxed it by uh by doing the pod. Yeah, it's possible. We should probably probably hang it up sooner than later. All right. Well, guys, take care. I'm like I said, unless something crazy happens tomorrow. You will not see me on Friday, so have a uh, good weekend. Back on Monday, um, recapping Marquette against Georgetown, uh, as well as you know getting I, – I have a, a February segment we're going to do, and I probably won't talk Badgers-Purdue. I probably should, but I don't, I don't know. I just – I don't need to force myself into watching Badger basketball if I don't have to, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, this it's a pretty 
I did not realize the Badgers were sixth in the country yeah, man. as we as we uh until I looked at kind of their next couple games. They got a like, they oh, got a big, they got a big old trap tonight against Nebraska. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've lost twice to Nebraska, um in Nebraska. So maybe they use that as motivation, but that looks like they're just going right into the mouse trap. Feels like going to Nebraska is just weird shit happens there. Oh yeah, that's a weird stadium. That's just I mean, look, that's just there are gyms like that. Like I like that it's not a be... like it's not a basketball school. And it's right. just like I don't know. It yeah, no, it's just I, has like weird vibes. I hear you. I mean, even it's this is a basketball school, but it's like when you go to you go to Providence, you just know you're not gonna get any calls because they're all the mob in Providence paid off all the refs. Like it's just it's just how it goes. And yeah. it's just weird shit happens. Those it's like also like PNC in baseball. It's like we just know when you're in Pittsburgh, there's just dumb things that are gonna happen in the game. You just don't really understand how or why, but they do happen. So we'll right. It's another podcast topic for another time. But yeah, we'll uh we'll be back uh Monday unless uh Jordan Love signs an extension, which then we'll be back on Friday. So there you there you have it. Yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah. All right, see you guys. Peace.